Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. All right, all right, all right. Welcome, everybody. We made it. We did it. We are here. It is the 18th day of November. I keep yeah. saying this as a time capsule so I could go back and look at this digital uh, collection I have of amazing guests and amazing stories. And I have a fantastic panel and event today. Everyone joining us live across the World Wide Web. Welcome to a very special podcast, Vin Social co-branded event, Empowering Women in the Workplace. You guys all know me. I'm Adam Posner, the host of the podcast, and I'm thrilled to welcome my co-host for tonight, Sarah Mole. Sarah, welcome. Thank you. Awesome to be here, Adam, and so lovely to see Laura and Claude here. Hi, everybody. Thanks for being here. Hope you have your wine poured. Don't wait for permission, right? We are ready. We're, sipping, right? <laughs> We're already sipping our wine. We are good to go. So before we dig in and Sarah takes us through the wine and a little bit about what's going to happen tonight, I do want to welcome our two esteemed guests tonight. First, in my Brady Bunch bottom left, for all of those who are following us at home, she is the CEO of Havas New York. Laura Manis, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's so exciting to be here. That's awesome. And why don't we just take a quick moment, and I'd love if you could just quickly introduce yourself to our audience. Tell us, as I say when I interview folks, tell us who you are and what you do best. <laughs> So I, uh, I'm Laura Manis. I'm the CEO of Havas here in New York, uh, in Tribeca. We are part of the world's largest entertainment company, Vivendi, and I run our creative agency. So our flagship agency of North America. Uh, we are on a mission to build better human beings and build more meaningful brands simultaneously. And I have a passion for this subject matter right here. So I know that I am in the right space <laughs> tonight. Thanks for having me. That's fantastic. And someone who was near and dear to my heart, Claude Silver, Chief Heart Officer at Boehner Media. How are you doing, Claude? I am great. It's amazing to be here. I love seeing you, Adam, Sarah, and Likewise. Laura. Great to meet you. Thanks for having me. That's awesome. Sarah, tell yeah. us a bit about what we're going to do today. Let's do it. Yeah, first of all, such an honor to, to be with joined by Laura and Claude tonight. Two awesome powerhouse women certainly inspire me in ways you probably don't know, but this is just, it's truly special to be able to, you know, have this great uh, sort of intimate connection, sip some wine together, have a great candid conversation. Um, and so for the audience, I just wanted to do a quick intro of myself and Vin Social, just so we set the stage here for the convo. Um, so I am the founder of Vin Social, uh, the chief executive officer of Vin Social. I'm also a certified sommelier, a certified specialist of wine, and a seasoned wine educator. Um, and Vin Social is a modern wine edutainment platform. We are on a mission to deliver the human touch of hospitality in the virtual world. 
We work with companies of all industries and sizes to engage their most valued relationships in thoughtful shared experiences that happen to be centered around, you guessed it, wine and also spirits education. Uh, and really we use this virtual stage, if you will, to spotlight the lesser known um, small batch and sustainability focused wineries of the world that are crafting wines that are good for us and good for the planet. And many of which are women led, such as this gorgeous Pinot Noir from Brooks Winery that we are all tasting tonight um, from Oregon. And Janie Brooks Hoyk, who, um, is the figurehead of Brooks Winery. Uh, I really believe Brooks is sort of the epitome of what a purpose-driven wine brand can be. They are a certified B Corporation, a member of 1% for the Planet, delivering top quality, accessible price points. They're inclusive, hospitality-driven, zero pretense, just amazing people and amazing wine. Uh, and as a female founder and CEO in the wine industry, I make a very intentional point of hiring women and partnering with women-led organizations because to me, it truly is an all boats rise mentality and dynamic, right ladies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so without further ado, we have a tradition that I'm bringing to the podcast, which is the Vin Social Toast. And we don't mind my shallot. I don't have a wine glass here, but we'll, we'll just go with it. You wouldn't mind? All right, here we go. Cheers to the makers the risk takers, the ones who aren't afraid to get their hands dirty, those who thrive on creating something with purpose, something that will stand the test of time. We see you, we celebrate you, we raise our glasses to you. Cheers to all of you joining us tonight and cheers to you, Claude and Laura, and to Brooks Weiner. Back at you. Thank you so much for joining us. So we're not here today just to drink wine because it's tough, we can't do it all together, but we are actually gonna have a very meaningful conversation. And tonight's topic that we're gonna discuss with this awesome panel is empowering women in the workplace. And I couldn't think of two more stellar guests to have this conversation with tonight. I'm gonna hand it off to Sarah to kick things off. Absolutely, all right. So before we look forward, right? I feel like we gotta take a moment to look backwards. Right. And so both of you have been in the industry for a while, climbing the ranks inside the ad world and looking back over the 20 years from your perspectives. How have you seen the progression of women empowerment in your industry specifically? The good, the bad and the ugly, if you don't mind. Uh, OK, I'll, I'll start. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> it is it kind of feels like I'm cheating a little bit just talking about, you know, the past. Uh, but, you know, it's been a, a long career where I have seen a lot of great, good, and not so great. I have seen uh, places that I worked where women didn't have offices. I mean, I'm going prehistoric here. <laughs> uh, where it was the majority of men in a room and where it still felt like, I think, in the dark ages that women weren't seen, this is a generalization, but not as creative. I mean, I can remember uh, one, one place I worked where probably out of 20 creatives, there were only two females. And that's something now going forward, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Now we're working on uh, DE&I and getting our numbers up there. But I think in the, in the olden days, it, um, I think it still was a place where it was very much still a uh, ad land madman type of world, even though I was on the West Coast or on, in London. So it's, it's wonderful to see the, the changing of the tides and more, 
I would say more fluid, fluidity and diversity of, of thinking, which I think is something that females bring in to the workplace. Agreed. Yeah, I, I would absolutely echo that. Um, you know, I can think of so many instances, um, even still where, you know, finding myself as the only one in, in many instances. And I think that it's been so encouraging to see the progress and to um, see how this has almost prepared us, I think, for this moment of uh, social justice and racial justice being in the diversity, like you mentioned, Claude, because I think that, you know, we have been so largely focused on fighting against the patriarchy and, you know, gender equality um, in terms of pay equity, in terms of, you know, really trying to up level and skip level promote and retain women um, as they climb and accelerate into leadership positions. And, you know, when you look at the statistics and you actually look at the decline of women in the C-suite for all these energy, all this collective energy, not just women led, but really men and women kind of coming together and putting their attention toward this to really drive change. It can be so disheartening to see statistics in decline despite all the narrative and the energy and sort of efforts to try to drive that kind of change at scale. And I think, you know, the epiphany for me um, kind of through the pandemic and over the summer and really kind of coming out of um, the events of George Floyd and really just unpacking a lot of, you know, my own personal attention and experience and accountability toward driving this kind of systemic change. I was feeling really proud and boastful early on in the year, touting you know, just how much we were able to um, cite as evidence of the transformation and the impact of what, how um, our efforts toward women, not just within Havas, but really the industry at large, have really uh, started to, to, to turn the tide in, in many ways. And just a moment of, wow, you know, if I had spent that same kind of energy and intensity actually directing it at a true and just company and community and society for all and really with an emphasis on our black community. Imagine where we'd be um, Imagine that. as a company and, and as a collective and as an industry. And instead of just trying to get women from other agencies or get diverse uh, employees from other agencies into our agency, which does nothing to change the composition of the industry. Your gain is someone else's loss. And in the end, this is how we've seen the decline, even mandating, you know, women need to be on boards and you need to have at least one. And there's like law, you know, litigation, these kinds of efforts are important, but I think, you know, we have to take a step back, as you said, to look at um, this in a different context. Awesome. And, and thank you so much for sharing mm -hmm. that, that that look backwards. And both of you hit on a, a, a number of topics that we're going to dig into in a little bit. But let's talk about current events. Let's talk about the, the, the you know. What's the, happening, Adam? What let's, do you let's mean? Talk a little bit about the, the pandemic du jour. Um, COVID du jour. We're, we're turning the corner on. And, you know, it has affected everybody. But especially in the workplace, it's affected mothers, women, black women, senior level women, everybody. Burnout's real, managing the balance between home, life, work, leading teams remotely, being concerned about your own performance. Um, 
And there's a recent study that said, quote, one in four women are considering downshifting their careers or leaving the workforce due to COVID. Let's break this down and discuss what you're seeing from your perspective. Let's start with Claude. What are you seeing, you know, at, at Vayner locally? What are you seeing in the overall uh, marketplace when it comes to women in regards to COVID? I, I love the question because I, I it's, it's funny. I actually haven't thought so much about it, to be honest, in terms of um, male, female. I, I, I don't think about those things um, when it comes to the pandemic, unless we're talking about moms specifically, but I have been looking at parents in terms of, you know, the totality of parents. However, we know that uh, a lot of our, uh, a lot of our, our, a lot of our parents are working moms, for example, and we're doing the lion's share, myself included, of the work right now. So, you know, as soon as COVID hit and we went, we started working from home right around March 16th or so, and I sent everyone home, we had to, there was no playbook, right? We were all in triage mode, every single one of us, whether yeah. or not it was here, there, or, or everywhere. And so we, we knew that we had to immediately get our people safe, make sure that they had everything they needed to perform their job, but also that parents were going to need to scramble to figure out childcare, schooling, and all of those things. And so, but, you know, we had a very large cry out for, um, uh, we needed to help people empower themselves, learn how to, to set boundaries. And that was the first thing that we noticed immediately, which was, um, you know, A, we had to let our leaders and our managers know that they had to help people find their voices, mm -hmm. specifically moms. And also we needed to let people know that it was okay to say, I'm offline until 9.30. I'm shutting down at 5.30. I will come back on at 8.30 if I need to in the evening. The empowerment piece was the biggest, biggest thing we could really um, apply and provide to our working moms, working parents, but working moms specifically. The other thing we did was, you know, scrounge around like everyone else did to find, you know, was it PBS lessons, you know, online? Where could we go? What, 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 could, what could we do in those first four weeks? What Instagram live show was there? You know, was there a music class our kids could join? Those types of things. So what I saw, the most amazing thing is in the triage, and you think about an emergency room and triage, there are groups, there are teams that work together. This was not a moment of, not belonging. This was a moment of belonging, coming together, connecting. The sum was greater than the parts and giving our people through connection, through community, what they needed. And, you know, the osmosis that I saw was amazing. And, and all of our geographies, which are, you know, five geographies as compared to a vast geography. But it was really interesting, especially from such a high touch organization as we are to really, really be listening and then providing what we could listen, provide, listen, provide. So that's, that's, that's so yep. inspiring. Like, thank you. I think that's, that's such a great, you know, thing to just express. It's about empowering. And almost like you said, it's like sometimes women need permission, like to, like you said, to set the boundaries, to say, I'm going to be unavailable after five 30. I have to prioritize my family now. Right. And know we're all moms. So like, it's a necessity, right? So I, I, I really admire that. I think that's so important. That's great work. Thank you. You know, being part of um, this, this global company and uh, being able to connect with peers who are experiencing this um, in different parts of the world at, at different moments in the pandemic where, you know, my counterparts in Asia, for instance, were sort of coming on to the other side of this. Um, 
someone want to turn wanna... at a time where um so you know it just being able to observe and connect on how hyper local the experiences were but like that shared uh empathy and understanding for how that would then impact you know a, how we would respond because we had a little bit of foresight i think in how they were sort of navigating um the beginnings of like return to work and how to you know exactly what you said this is the great equalizer and i think the dynamics in the household and just you know understanding some people starting to kind of even come back into the office environment while others are you know uh voluntarily needing to be at home or, or choosing to be at home or wherever they are and working out the interpersonal dynamics of having a hybrid staff which will forever be flexible um but you know kind of really trying to cater to each individual as an individual still show that collective support um and and empathy for we're all kind of going through this and feeling our way through this together but everyone has sort of a nuanced um you know need set that needs to be interpreted and responded to on a very individual level getting back to our 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 topic here empowering women in the workforce i want to talk about how companies are finding ways to amplify female voices, whether it be through thought leadership, speaking, conferences. Uh, and I know both of you are, you know, pre-COVID and even, you know, post-COVID right now in high demand for speaking engagements. Laura, I'd love to share how you personally are really taking charge of amplifying your own voice and other females within the industry and within your company. Yeah. Um, I think the willingness to just be vulnerable <laughs> and lend a voice even if you don't feel like you have it's not really about claiming the narrative and going out there to scale the messaging i think it's about listening and learning and exposing yourself to conversation that will help you continually grow and shape your point of view and be able to bring that point of view back in and scale it on behalf of other women you know in in the company and and also in the industry but i i do um I am working on saying no more and <laughs> being more intentional with doing less better to drive better impact but I have also sort of dropped the guard uh and recognize that it's less about um crafting the the narrative and it's mm. more about experiencing the growth through uh being willing to lend a voice um and learn something and maybe even change a viewpoint um or you know be willing to to get out there and i i do think that it's um it's incredibly uh exciting and frustrating like simultaneously <laughs> you know to uh to, to to put yourself out there for these things but the impact i think is really exponential um to really be able especially now in this time where again you know through quarantine and really just having the mental capacity and space to reflect uh on what's important and how to contribute more meaningfully and how um you know by accepting the, the those invitations to uh be engaged in a dialogue to drive to some action to scale that intention i think is is incredibly powerful so i do that myself i also try to you know create room for for others to um to have a voice that wouldn't necessarily maybe be the first 
choice that somebody would go to because they probably have, you know, are more of an introvert or have kind of a quiet public profile or they just haven't been sort of focused on being out front and center. But I think really the diversity of those experiences, the diversity of those voices um, and being able to kind of put together that mosaic to represent more of a collective and not just, um, you know, trying to, like I said, own the narrative. I love it. Did love we leave it. anything for Claude on that one? Yeah, it was so good. I mean, as I was thinking, I was like, gosh, Laura, that's exactly right. <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay to say that. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things I'll just, I'll just really add on to is something that Laura said that I thought was really important, which is empowering again and assisting, if you, if, if that's the right word, others to find their voice and to take up space and for example, in the in the incredible richness that I have where people are asking me to speak, it's a really wonderful layoff to, for me, A, to practice saying no, but B, <laughs> that to someone else on my team or someone else in the company that A, is going to probably say it in a better, different way than me. You know, my voice is out there. And to really help them you know, lift off. I'm not saying that they want to be the next, you know, greatest public speaker in the world, but everyone has something to say and everyone has a story. And I think this is the time to help promote others. And whether or not you want to call that uh, reverse engineering mentorship or and I'm, I'm not, you know, it's, it's, this is a time of what you see is what you get a thousand percent and a phenomenal time because of the richness of, of, um, offers or opportunities or just that we're all here in front of Zoom so we are accessible to, you know, alley-oop to someone else. And um, I'm finding really doing that. And that comes yeah. down to speaking about both your generosity as well, too, with so many opportunities coming in your direction. It's a great opportunity to showcase other strong leaders within your organization who don't have those um, opportunities. Sarah? No, yeah, I'm just saying, I think to your point, like there's something beautiful about the evolution into virtual, like that makes sort of um, it okay to be unpolished. And I think in a way that's been really great because it's like you said, it's like stripping away the production, like you said, shaping the narrative and it just allows for vulnerability and authenticity and like quite frankly, just honesty, honest, like real conversations to happen. And, and really, I think, I mean, just case in point tonight, like just the accessibility and democratization of access to great people like you who could be inspiring other people. So, I mean, there are some positives to all this, right? Some good silver linings. And I know that the topic has really been around, you know, uh, from, a, from a women, like how do we help other women like find that voice and have that space. But I would say that, you know, we, um, what rings through my head as I'm working to just be a better ally and demonstrate, you know, and listening and learning throughout the, this, this journey, um, but decentering and, you know, really kind of like, for example, we had an opportunity through, um, we had, you know, done a sponsorship for the latest allyship in action summit. And they're like, Oh, Laura, you know, we'd love to have you say a few words and, you know, talk about some of the traction. I know you launched this commit to change plan. Um, you were cited as one of the most, you know, accountable holding companies in terms of having like actual time gated, you know, deliverables against this plan. And like, can you give us an update on your traction since the last time, you know, we got together in the, the summit and instead of using that asset, as a way to validate and kind of claim that 
we said, you know what, there's this amazing poet in Boston that really has a voice that everyone should hear and experience. And I'm gonna take those paid sponsorship dollars to demonstrate the support. And we don't even have to put our logo on it. Like this is just something that the world needs to hear and feel. And so it's like making those decisions about, oh, you know, what would be good is for us to be able to be out there and to tell people how much we give a shit and like how, what we're doing to actually put these actions behind these intentions and close the gap and accelerate and all these things. But that's not the time in the forum for, for that. Like, this is a chance for us to use this emotion and give this person's voice the stage for what it deserves. So I keep you know, shifting power, decentering, giving others voices and not, you know, and it happened to be this, this beautiful black woman, but that's just an example, I think, of how to make a different decision through this lens now where yes, it's still about, you know, fighting the patriarchy, making sure that women get their shot and, and get out there and have their voice be heard. But um, it's not an either or, it, it, it really is through a different lens right now and with a different emphasis that I think is so important. Amazing. Love it. I love it. Okay, so um, here's another one. Here's a good one. What are some of the steps that companies can establish goals for improving gender diversity, in your opinion, or things that maybe you're, you're already Espe doing? Especially in, leader especially in leadership roles, too, if we could touch on that a bit. Well, we don't believe in quotas. That's, that's just a dirty word for us. However, what isn't a dirty word is being intentional about who we are bringing in to interview. So in terms of making sure that we have a balance in, in, in our interview process and the pipeline itself, who we're giving, uh, who we're giving up to um, uh, hiring managers. I mean, we, we're very, very intentional about that. At the end of the day, we're not going to force necessarily anyone to hire Sally or Sue or Bobby. However, it's it's up to really the recruiting team, the talent team to put it out there and we're extremely intentional. I think the other thing is, and we spoke about this a little bit already, is reten the retention piece. And so when you are the copywriter and you all of a sudden see a, a female creative director, same exact thing, if you're a person of color, you need to see someone like you in three roles and three roles up or in the C-suite or whatever it is that you might aspire to, don't even know you aspire to that. You must be able to see a likeness of yourself in others. Otherwise it, it could very well feel like a dead end. And that is, I believe, up to us as leaders to make sure that we are really forcing that, encouraging that is too light of a word, I think. It's really mandating that. So those types of things are really important. Uh, the mentorship programs, we have something called the championship program, which is a mentor, which is a mentorship program that was uh, created by uh, the women in industry group at Vayner. And the, the catch is women can mentor women and women mentor men, mm. but they're not mentoring women. And to see that, that's, uh, to see that happen, it's been around for two years and it's been something that I've seen a lot of growth in, so, and, and, and um, you know, other retention programs, but really I think being able to see yourself, no matter what you're doing, whether or not you're in an agency or you wanna be the next NFL player, you have to be able to see what that could look like for yourself. 
Yeah. I love what you said, Claude, too, just about it not being about quota. Like, we never set out to have women be the majority of Havas. And actually, when I started eight years ago, that seemed like such a foreign concept that, you know, it would be ambitious to declare, you know, even getting to sort of a, a 50-50 state. And the, the truth is, um, the, the same way that we didn't set out to have women leading the majority of our disciplines, almost all of our disciplines in our uh, New York flagship are now led by women. But what we found is that by putting our attention and focus toward this development, this cultivation, and not just from a professional standpoint, but really taking a wholehearted, like whole life approach to performance living and you know, uh, uh, overcoming the inner critic and, you know, really looking at, you know, mitigating those limiting beliefs and this imposter syndrome and just all the things that have been conditioned, you know, generation after generation in every industry, every vertical, um, and really trying to uh, um, create the conditions for that kind of advancement, that sort of retention and buy-in and all the support mechanisms that enable that. And that goes back to like the parental leave policies and like, you know, the things that really set us up as a system of support and success for women to thrive. And what we found is in doing so, we have incredible retention. We are majority women. All, most of our departments are now run by women. And it's like, that wasn't actually the goal, but it's the byproduct of that intention. So that, that I find to be really encouraging. And again, I keep thinking about now through this new lens on DE&I, um, if, if that is now the emphasis and the focus and the intention as evidenced by the measurement and the result of what we've seen with women, and gender equality and pay equity and these sorts of things. What we actually uncovered when we um, took the pay, we were one of the first agencies to take the uh, pay equity pledge uh, through the 3% conference. And this, in doing this, we brought in a third party and you know we sort of unpacked it and we, we realized like we actually didn't really have a pay equity issue between men and women. Mm. But what we found through that process was that we had white women in many instances being paid at a certain level versus other races. And it's just, it's been something that has been perpetuating. So we were able to course correct and really meet our commitment for pay equity ahead of schedule by 2020, but not just through the lens of gender, but for all equality. So that th those kinds of things, I think, um, again, it's sort of the intersectionality of all of this, but by putting that emphasis on women, we were able to actually improve it for all. And that, that I think will continue to accelerate now, just given the climate that we're in. I love it. And just to kind of interject a little bit to tap into my world when it comes to recruitment, are there specific efforts um, to ensure that at least the pipeline, that there's an equ there's equity and an equitable split in, in gender diversity in the recruiting pipeline, um, whether it be sourcing techniques, whether it be you know bias training, what have you seen and done on your site, Claude? Bias training is huge. I mean, we now are not, in, in terms of, um, uh, looking at resumes in the UK and, and international offices, we removed the name. It's not something we've done in the US yet, but we've done Interesting. It. Yeah, uh, which has been amazing, I have to say. The, in fact, something that Laura just said was so, is so interesting on us as well. All of our uh, satellite offices, the MDs are all females. And that literally just happened. I was involved in the interview process. There were males and females. Yeah. And just to watch that happen has been really, really exciting, especially I think when you look at Vayner from the outside, especially Vayner of yesteryear, when you have thought it was just Gary and the boys, it's 51% female. 
you know, we've had pay equality now for four years. We used an outside um, uh, agent, uh, agency vendor as well to help us. And it was amazing to see that, wow, that wasn't our issue. You know, our issue, to be perfectly frank, was that the OGs, the people who had been there for nine years, 10 years, eight years, actually hadn't been made right based on the people that had been coming in from the outside. So we had to work on that. The current crisis that we have in our hands internally is that, um, and this is kind of evidence of the success uh, of the parental leave policy, is that we have so many concurrent uh, dads out simultaneously. <laughs> and again, with the predominant uh, uh, aspect of our uh, creative still being, you know, male driven and something that we're continually working on, it's um, it's created sort of a, a whole new dynamic where I was like, hang on a second, can we stagger these? Like, can you maybe go like after the first three months and you know, can we take turns here? But it's uh, it's interesting because we did, but one of the first things we did, you know, five years ago is did away with the uh, maternity leave and turned it into a, a really robust, you know, does it matter whether this was, you know, surrogate, adopted, you know, um, mother's father, like all, everybody Any has sort of the same the same rights and um we're, we're kind of seeing that stack and we haven't even felt the effects of all the baby boom that's happening through the oh, pandemic, pandemic this baby is like now what covid babies oh, yeah. i have no idea what's on the horizon oh, yeah. <laughs> this is in the indication oh, it is just like holy mackerel do we have a lot of people out right now with babies <laughs> awesome well they're they're happy at work so you know they, they're happy in life <laughs> happy, happy in work and, and happy in life. And I want to talk a little bit about extracurricular activities. I want to talk a little bit about outside organizations. I know uh, the folks on this panel are involved with organizations such as Chief and some other groups as well. Um, I'd love to talk about, you know, what professional women can do to really find opportunities outside of their outside of the workplace to connect, to network and to learn. Uh, what advice would you give, Laura? You know, it's the full spectrum. I have uh, been a part of like the She Runs It organization for years and have found just such tremendous value in the reverse mentorship, right? So several mentees, I feel like we are growing and living together and it's been um, just a, an incredible source of inspiration um, and driving kind of a level of accountability. And uh, that's been super gratifying, you know, for years. I think the... Um, the, the chief community is phenomenal and uh, um, the ability to have this like virtual connection and as they continue to scale, you know, through the app and um, just the way that they're sort of bringing people together and fueling, you know, inspiration and, and talks and, and things. Um, it's a lot of people in between successes um, as well as people who are sort of at the top um, but finding themselves uh, feeling a bit isolated with the same kind of ambition. So I think just the community and the spectrum and diversity within that community has uh, been a tremendous uh, value add you know, to, to, to my life. And more recently, um, as also a, a certified B Corp uh, in our London office in Amsterdam and soon to be in New York, um, which we love our fellow B Corps and those highest standards. I think, um, you know, finding a real community in, uh, in Kindred um, has also been something that both from men and women, but, you know, some of the more incredible, uh, inspiring assemblies and, and conversations of late and really closing the distance between intention and action and, uh, and, and a lot of the programming there has been um, incredibly valuable. So I think it's, 
you know, it's it's through these constructs, um, the, the Adweek mentorship, uh, executive mentorship that Nadine uh, um, has, mm-hmm. has been behind has also been, you know, incredible. Yeah. So it's really a mix. But um, I think, you know, we... Um, you know, we've had a relationship uh, with uh, with Lisa McCartney's organization, Fast Forward Women, uh, for years, and uh, um, that's continued to scale. And we formed our own women's group within Habas. But then, when you add in uh, the programming and some of the dimension of these other communities, and then being able to have that intersectionality between she runs it or chief or fast forward or these other elements, it really enriches. You know the proprietary programming and education and investment that we're making in our, our women, but really growing our community outside of our industry and outside of ourselves and, uh, and really taking like a whole life, you know, approach to this. So mental health, it's, it's all of it. It's, it's not just from a, you know, how are we going to get you to that next level and what do you need, you know, professional and skills wise. It really is about understanding the context and having the empathy to really guide people through growth. Empathy. Love it. All right. So before we wrap one last, we got to leave everyone. I mean, this has been a highly, I think, optimistic conversation in general. Right. So thank you for that. Right. Lots of hope, lots of positivity to look towards as we move through this crazy year we've just been through. But for both of you, just like a quick sort of either personal or professional sort of like silver lining road ahead. What is, you know, what are we looking forward to in 2021? Yeah, I, I'll jump in. You know, I think that there's something to be said about us all having this incredible collective experience together. Mm-hmm. I believe that it has brought us together in terms of being more authentic with one another, as Laura mentioned earlier, more vulnerable, leaning in on our humanity and allowing people to see their leaders in uh, see their leaders in um, in the same light. You know, we're all in our living rooms, we're all in our closets, we're all in our bedrooms, those types of things. So I think the normalization, democratization, but really the 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 there's a normality or we're not, we're not behind closed doors. So that's what I'm really excited about today and tomorrow, I can say. And I think that one of the things that, that I share a lot, and I think that we're only gonna share more, is that there is no perfection. There is no perfection. It doesn't exist, yep. And we come from an advertising world where it is all about perfection. But, you know, the wonderful thing is when, when you saw, you know, three weeks out, we all went home, you, all of a sudden, two weeks out, you all of a sudden saw advertising, whether or not it was above the line, below the line, offline, um, where you could see the clients and the agencies pivoted very quickly to show people with masks on, to show what it's really like. And so there's something about just this of this time we're not going back anytime soon. There is no back. There is only forward. So, the you know more consciousness, more heart. These are the things that I I really I firmly believe that we've all been praying for secretively, silently, <laughs> pockets with squads, and we're here. We're literally here. So let's you know let's make the most out of it. Let's most out of it and and have these conversations and encourage people to to speak up because there is no wrong we are all finding right 
together. The, here, the here. thing I love about that is just, you know, you think about it, I, I guess, you know, you could say like, I'm sure there are certain instances where we find ourselves in some kind of, you know, competitive construct. Um, but I, I, I look at, you know, someone like Claude and who, who's so heart centered, like I align in so many ways with just the purity <laughs> and your essence and, and energy. And I think, you know, we're seeing so much more collaboration than competition, even across industry verticals. And I think the same thing, like within our own kind of cutthroat industry, right? Like if there was an if there was a, a, a vertical suited to harness uh, the, the positivity of what this brief constraint problem crisis is to be able to kind of unleash our creativity collectively with our heart and empathy and passion to create a better way forward, you know, together and sort of throw out the briefs, throw out the scopes and just really lean into partnership and shared values and heart and empathy and like do things that are going to catapult us ahead, you know, and accelerate the, the transformation that we're all kind of fighting in our own individual ways, <laughs> you know, on a daily, weekly basis in, the, in this chaos that exists. It's really encouraging to be able to kind of connect. And I think, you know, we're going to continue to crave this deeper level of connection, the substance, this, um, you know, in real life experience and just like where this is leading. So when I think about, you know, certainly the challenges and the setback and, you know, what we're all kind of, you know, the the sense of fear and, and the real health risks and everything that, that's sort of, you know, as we get the text message a few hours ago <laughs> that the New York public schools are now closed officially, you know, Thursday. And it's like, oh my God, we're back to all virtual and, and what that entails. I think um, there was a, there was an article that came out at the beginning of the pandemic that if, if you guys haven't seen, I encourage you to kind of just look back at. Um, it was written in the Financial Times and it was by um, Arundhati Roy. And it was a piece called The Pandemic is a Portal. And there was a line at the end of the phrase and just to sort of leave you with the, this optimistic thought. And this is something that I've literally taped on my, uh, my monitor here. And it's like emblazoned as a daily motivator, right? And she said, Whatever it is, coronavirus has made the mighty kneel and brought the world to a halt like nothing else could. Our minds are still racing back and forth, longing for a return to normality, trying to stitch our future to our past and refusing to acknowledge the rupture. But the rupture exists. And in the midst of this terrible despair, it offers us a chance to rethink the doomsday machine that we have built for ourselves. Nothing could be worse than returning to normality. And I have this quote, nothing could be worse than returning to normality. And it's like permission to question everything, do everything differently, live differently, adopt new rituals, like try new things, take huge risks, be vulnerable, talk about stuff you have no you know, purpose talking about. Like it's like, this is an invitation for all of us to grab this thing and actually use it and not waste this crisis. And like, I'm an optimist by nature, but like when that thing hit, I was like, the pandemic is a portal. And then George <laughs> Floyd, and it was like, oh my God, we're ready for social justice. Yeah. And then, holy shit, the West Coast is on fire. We're gonna finally take on climate change. And like, people have been in this reflective mindset and are ready 
to do something. And like, it's, it's so exciting. And I have permission to keep drinking wines. So. <laughs> it is, it, it, it is, a, yeah, it is a wine event. That, and, 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 and those are absolutely beautiful words. Uh, Claude Silver, after your sip out of your um, medieval chalice you have there, um, <laughs> some close. We're still on We're still we're still on wine time. Some closing thoughts and some closing words. Oh my gosh! If, I mean, I think Laura nailed it. Which is, this is such an opportunity. We are on the precipice of so much change. We are on the precipice of coming together as a community. We're on the precipice of coming together as a collective in one another, that we are all wired to belong. We are not supposed to be alone, isolated, dealing with loneliness by ourselves, destigmatizing mental illness. Like this is the time. And I love, and Laura just said it. So I can only just say like, thank you for sharing that, Laura. That was amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. I have one shameless plug because what kind of advertising person would I? I didn't get to the shameless plug segment, but thank you for the segue. <laughs> now it's officially shameless plug time, Laura. <laughs> shameless plug. So um, Jessica, who used to be in the industry, wrote a book called Dare to Believe. It's a quick construct on twelve lessons for finding your soul purpose. She founded a women's purpose retreat three years ago that completely changed my life. And when I think about this topic of women and coming together and how as community revealing ourselves and getting down to the substance and really um, affecting our cause, it has been absolutely uh, the best thing I've ever experienced. And it's in its third iteration when the COVID hit and we couldn't kind of come together in a physical experience. And she was able to kind of create an 11 day journey, uh, all virtual with um, more women kind of coming into this group. I have to say like, please for any of the women that are out there watching this, um, follow up with me, follow up with Jessica. Like, we could link it up too. We're gonna link it in the comments. Special community that I am so grateful for that um, I think needs to get, needs to get scaled, so. That's awesome. Check it out. The Great purpose retreat. Fantastic, ladies. I mean, I mean, one of the bright sides we're we're able to do this together, and we're able to have this opportunity to share, to discuss, to look backwards, but also look forwards at the same time. And I want to thank the three of you immensely, uh, Laura. Absolute pleasure to connect. I hope we can continue to build this relationship, Claude. You know how I feel about you, uh, Sarah. Thank you for being a fantastic co-pilot here, Sarah. Any final thoughts? Get your holiday gifts through Vin That's Social. right. Okay. Amazing. They have this whole new product line. Thanks, Laura. I'm hiring you to do my shameless plugs. Yes, we, uh, I'd like to invite everyone here. We'll be sending a follow-up uh, you know, offer to all of you to get a great discount towards. We have a quarterly subscription membership. Uh, we are going to visit South Africa for the winter quarter. So a whole quarter receiving wines on South Africa and um, meeting the wineries and going through an amazing educational program with us. But also to, to Laura's point, we have amazing corporate gifting um, packages curated with other women-led um, sustainable products. So our wines with other great um, items to deliver relaxation, feasting, and celebrating all things we are craving right now. So yes, please hit us up. You can email me at Sarah at binsocial.co. We'll send you all of our info. Thank you, Laura. <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna link everybody up to everything we spoke about. So ladies, thank you very much. Hang with me for one moment as I sign off here. Everyone joining us, whether it be on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, 
I don't even know where else we're streaming, but everyone joining us on the podcast, Vin Social Life, thank you for spending an hour with us this afternoon. I appreciate everyone immensely. Remember, take care of each other, wash your hands, stay six feet apart, and catch us next week on another great episode of the podcast. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The Pausecast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com.